Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. And joining me in the virtual studio, you know, we all know about St. John Vianney, the Cure de Ars. Joining me is Ken Hellenius, the Cure de Meats. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, that's something that actually... That fits you so perfectly, though, man, because you are the Cure de Meats, man. You watch your Facebook videos, you know, preparing those delectable meat dishes off Fritos. I'm hungry just thinking about oh, it. Oh man. You know, there's something that actually bothers me about the phrase cured meats because it implies that there are sick meats as well. <laughs> and, and I don't think I'd want to eat one of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. You know, we are in actually in the season when uh, people who plan ahead have already begun brining their corned beef. So that uh, it's ready for ah. the for the feast of Saint Patrick, of course. Wow, uh, how long does that brine go on? You know, it can it can be anywhere from uh, basically two weeks. I think uh, is wow. kind of the the longer end. Um, and corned beef does not, contrary to popular belief, have any corn in it at all. Uh, <laughs> it actually corn refers to the the um, pieces of salt. Uh, which which are like little corn kernels in a way, and so corned beef is is salted meat uh, that uh, that is used to preserve the meat. So I remember actually, you know, when I grew up there in Seattle, and we had Archbishop Murphy when I was growing up in high school, and Archbishop Murphy, uh, you know, Lent Saint Patrick's Day always falls in Lent, and so when a Lent when a Friday came and it was St. Patrick's Day, Archbishop Murphy kindly granted a uh, dispensation so that we could uh, celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And then, of course, the great Archbishop of Portland, uh, Archbishop Vlasny, uh, when the same sorts of occasions would happen, Fridays in, in Lent that are St. Patrick's Day, he would go by the wonderful nickname John O. Vlasny, and he would also provide the same dispensation. So that's a lot of fun. This year, I don't think St. Patrick's Day does fall on a uh, Friday, though, so... You can, you can uh, enjoy no, your, your no such luck. corned meats on uh, <laughs> without without having to seek a dispensation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Deacon, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Busy on the road, doing the, my thing. The man. life but, of the uh, evangelist. Yes. Yeah, so again, it's uh, it's good to be back out. People say, "Oh, you're away from home," but I was home for over a year, man. So <laughs> right, <laughs> so right. It's time to get back. Time to get back out again. And again, it's this is a, a busy stretch again because of a lot of uh, makeup engagements from cancellations from from even two years ago. You know, and sure. so that's why it seems so busy and packed. But it, it's not always going to be like that, you know. So, right. um, so, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful that the people have been patient. And uh, I think people are hungry. You know, they're wanting to, you know, I think we're, we're sick of the uh, of COVID and all the things of isolation and the masking and everything. And people just want some semblance of normality. And so it's nice to be able to go out and come to a mission and hear um, instead of gloom and doom, some inspiration. Yeah. You know, something that, uh, that helped them go deeper in their faith and their relationship with Jesus Christ. So happy to happy to help. 
that's awesome. I uh, I know uh, having heard you speak at uh, at the occasional parish mission when you've been so kind as to come to the Midwest, uh, the message of not just love and mercy, but the invitation to to avail ourselves of the sacraments, which are those efficacious signs of God's love and mercy, right? They're, they're not just symbols, but they're effective symbols. They're effective signs that actually do what they show. And uh, so to be able to receive the healing of reconciliation and know that Christ truly does forgive us, and then to be in communion with him and with the entire body of Christ— those are the sacraments that nourish us and keep us going in our life of faith. And uh, that's what I know so much of your message is, as you're out preaching and teaching and inviting people to avail themselves of the sacraments. And that's that's actually why we even do Living Stones. That's why we get to have this conversation every week, is to call people to a deeper faith and a practical faith that is an expression of God's love. Well said. Couldn't have said any better. Beautiful. Well, you know, over the last few uh, shows, we've been discussing your brand new book, Deacon. Uh, Got to move some volumes, you know, uh, helping you out there. <laughs> but uh, you have this this new book out called Our Life of Service, The Handbook for Catholic Deacons, published by Ave Maria Press. And um, it's a, you know, it's a thin little book, but full of interesting practical tips and kind of reflections, theological reflections, not just by you, but also by some of your fellow brother deacons. As we talked to last week, we kind of, you introduced us to some of the writers who uh, are uh, in here as well. Uh, And so we are going to tonight have a chance to kind of take an overview of, of the core of the book. What is in here? What are some of the things that kind of highlights that you as the author kind of want to share? And so, uh, so walk us through our life of service, Deacon. Yeah. So thank you, Ken. So basically, again, I, I wanted to write a book about the service ministry of the deacon. You know, you often hear word, altar, and charity to describe the three munis or functions, tasks, and duties of the deacon. But the, the, I think the Latin better expresses it, um, teaching, sanctifying, and leading. And so that third tier is the service ministry or leadership ministry of the deacon. And I wanted to show how that looks like spiritually, like what is the spirituality of diaconal service? How is it different from priestly service? How is it different from lay service? You know, I thought it would be a a good foundation to start with and to build upon. And then I talked about serving the mission of the church. You know, where do deacons fit into the life of the church and where does the service and how do deacons serve? both bishops and priests. And one of the interesting things I do there that I talk about the similarities in the ordination of a bishop and a deacon, where the deacons hold the book of the gospels over the head of the bishop when he's kneeling down when he's being ordained and how the the deacon is given the book of the gospels by the bishop, uh, you know, during his ordination as well. So there's a connection there between the bishop, the deacon and the gospel. You yeah. know, which I think, which I think was nice. Now I talk about serving the word. You know, um, we are ministers of evangelization. We, we're we're assisting the bishop with his ministry of spreading the life changing news of the encounter with Jesus Christ. So I talk about how we serve serve that word, and then wife and children. You know, um, many not all, but many deacons, most permanent deacons are married, um, have wives, and so what the church is doing in calling, helping a man to discern whether he's called to the diaconate 
is that he's looking how he's serving in the diaconia of the home. Right? Okay. So if he's a good servant as a husband and father, the church says, well, maybe this man is called to share those gifts of service with the entire church. Right. And that's something that the wife has to agree to. So that's why have serving your wife and in serving your children and children, of course, would also include those in the parish, young people in the parish, uh, which deacons have interactions with. And so how do we make that wonderful balance? Right. And I talk about the balance between faith, your, your, whatever your secular job may be. Right. And then uh, the life in the parish, you know, how do you balance home, prayer, family, parish, all of that. Then I talk about serving in the parish. Uh, what does that look like? And, and I don't shy away from some of the tensions that sometimes happen between lay people and deacons or priests and deacons and, you know, where people think they're taking my job or why do we even need him? You know, I, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. So I, I hit that square on the head. That's about serving in the wider community. You know, what does diaconal service look look like outside of the parish? Because I think people make the mistake of thinking that deacons are ordained to work in parishes. But as we see from Acts of the Apostles, Stephen, who's the first martyr, didn't die in a parish. Uh, <laughs> um, Lawrence didn't die in a parish. Also, from Acts of the Apostles, uh, Philip, the deacon, when he encountered the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, he wasn't in a parish. I'm not, so I'm not saying deacons shouldn't be in parish, but I'm saying is that a significant and important part of our ministry happens outside of the parish because we're helping people to encounter Christ. And in the book I talk about, uh, I, I draw a parallel between the service outside of the church and the paralytic on the stretcher, <laughs> you know, where uh, the, 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 they went out, they got this guy, they try to bring him to Jesus and they can't get to him. So they cut a hole in the roof right. and lower him down. So they went out and they brought people to Jesus. That's what the deacon does. He goes forth from the Eucharist, from the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. He is the permanent sign and ordained witness, that sacramental sign of Christ's service ministry. brings. That's the gift that he brings outside of the Mass. And then when people are ready, when they encounter Christ, he helps like the paralytic on a stretcher. He brings them to the healing ministry of the priest, both in the sacrament rec- reconciliation and in um, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, of course. And then uh, finally, uh, I go through about ongoing formation. Um, that, that's a very important part of any ordained ministry is, is ongoing formation. Just because you're ordained doesn't mean you don't stop learning and stop growing. Right. So I talk about opportunities for that as well. And then, and then at the end, I put some resources for deacons' wives, some suggested preaching aids uh, as well. That's awesome. And it's, uh, like I say, you know, this isn't a huge, thick book that people are going to, uh, to you know, use for hand-to-hand combat or are going to be intimidated <laughs> by, right? I mean, this is, each of these chapters is practical. And, and I noticed in there, uh, in your book, you also have, um, you have a couple sample homilies. Uh, and actually, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about one of those because it, it's in the chapter on serving the word. You talk about uh, kind of during formation, one of the things that gets most anticipated that a deacon candidate maybe most anticipates is how am I going to preach? You know, what is what do I want to preach about? And then you give us in this particular chapter, you give us a sample homily. And I wonder, is this a homily that you preached? Is that your first homily? Tell us about this one. Yeah. So the, the rubrics of the mass says that the deacon preaches occasionally uh-huh. at mass at mass. Because, again, the deacon's primary form of 
preaching is outside of mass. Okay. So all the services, the, the ecclesial services that the deacon administers, like for example, a wedding or a funeral, again, outside of mass, a burial service, sure. adoration, those things. Um, but occasionally the deacon will preach at mass. So this is an actual homily, one of my first homilies that I gave uh, when I was first ordained. And so, because uh, I, I, people often ask me, what is your process for thinking through a homily? How do you develop it? So I thought it'd be good in here for, um, especially men in formation that are maybe uncomfortable preaching or, you know, I'm not sure about how to structure a homily to give them maybe this is this is how I do it, you know, so to give yeah. them an example um, and, and it shows, you know, that some theology in there reflecting on the scriptures, but then also making that practical and real in people's lives every day. Can you talk a little bit about that, about that process? Um, I mean, like you say, you're, you're, you're concretizing the living out of the gospel. Um, what are some of these steps that, uh, that you go through when you're, when you're writing a homily? So um, one of the first things that I do is I read, um, well, obviously I read the gospel. I read all, read all three readings, right? Right, right. Um, so about oh, a week or so in advance, I will take the readings Usually, well, before internet, you know, I, I used to take them uh, from uh, the missile, but now I go on, you use your USCCB website because sure. those are the, the NAB readings that are the same ones at mass. Right. And I read through all the readings that I put it down and then I pick it up a couple of days later, read through all the readings again, you know, put it down. Then the third time I'll go to adoration. And I'll take the readings with me again, because by this time, you know, I'm just kind of I'm soaking in the word, you know, and I'm allowing a theme to develop. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart. You know what? What, Lord, what do you want me to say? How Mm -hmm. how are you going to use me as your instrument this week to get your message, not my message, to get your message across, As even though I am uh, I consider myself an, an unworthy instrument, but I allow that time to marinate, if you will. And you know about marination, Ken. Come on, <laughs> right? You're, you're, about the, you're the cure the meats. to meats, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, 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 but seriously, I allow, I allow that word to marinate, you know, to, to take some time to think with it, to wrestle with it. Because um, I, I want to both try to challenge people, because I think Christ does that. Mm-hmm. He challenges people, but also inspires them. So I'm, I'm thinking about all of this and then I compile a first draft, which is always handwritten. So uh, I know it's old school, but <laughs> I, th- I feel a connection between what's happening in my heart and in my soul and my arm and the paper. You know, uh, there's, there's a tactileness. There, there's an unbroken chain there, if you will, connection. Whereas the computer, is, is uh, to me, is more impersonal. Um, you know, you do have to take your hands off the keyboard. So you lose that connection, sure. if you will. Again, it maybe it's old school way of thinking, but that's, you know, that, that's, I don't just know. Me. And I do type I, them. I mean, that seems to me very incarnational what you're talking about. Yeah, that, see, you know? there you go. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And so, you know, I always look for an opportunity to incorporate the tenets of the faith, maybe something from the catechism and things like that in there mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And then I let it sit, you know, I, I'll write it. And I and I'll maybe read it through once, and I'll just put it down. Then always I come back to it. Oh, I need to change this. I need to add this. I need to, you know. So I just get, again let it time to, to marinate a little more. Um, and then uh, and I always allow room, even though I type them out. I always allow the Holy Spirit room to work. 
So if I get to a point in the homily and the Holy Spirit saying, stop, stay here, you know, say something about this, then I'll stop and I'll just extrapolate, you know, mm-hmm. um, and maybe which will cause me probably even to skip maybe a, a, another sentence or two of what I was going to say. Because in that moment, because usually what happened when that happens, Ken, I can't tell you how many times people have said, oh, my goodness, I felt that you were speaking to me. Or when you gave that example, oh, my goodness, I was that just happened to me or I needed to hear that today. You know, that happens a lot. And again, when you allow when you take the time in the word and you allow the Holy Spirit to work, then I think God can really use us as deacons as instruments of, of his grace. That's awesome. And a challenge and a responsibility and, and terrifying all at the same time. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, some people have problems standing in front of people speaking. Sure. You know, um, you know, and so they have the notes there to help them. Some are very comfortable with it, but you want to, but I think the important thing is to make sure you're not just giving a theological treatise. You don't want people leaving there going, what did he say? Because now there, there's, there's not that connection between the word and the Eucharist because you want to be fed and nourished by the word. Cause what's the homily supposed to do? It's a breaking open and feeding with the word that feed that feeds our hearts, our minds, and our souls that then prepare us to receive Christ again, body, blood, soul, divinity in the Eucharist. Yeah. So there's a double feeding there, you know? And so you want to make sure that when you're feeding people with the word, that if you give a theological treatise, they're going to be like, what did he just say? I don't understand. So there's, they're, they're not being fed. Or if you go up there and tell jokes. And the and so the word of God, they never, you never mentioned the scriptures. You never mentioned what Jesus actually said. You're just up there entertaining people. You know, this is not stand up. Right. You know, I mean, the, the, the people need to be challenged, especially today in today's culture. Um, people need to be challenged. They need to be inspired. They need to feel that God is still speaking to them today through the, we're not just some book that's 2000 years old, you know, how is God still speaking to my life, to my heart, to my situation, to my circumstances, to my needs right now? You know, and I think that's what the, the homily needs to get across. Amen. Amen. And that's, <laughs> please, deacons, priests, bishops, if you're listening, <laughs> this is, this is what we want. This is what we in the pews want to hear. We want to hear that Christ loves us, and we want to be challenged to follow him evermore. That's the, that's the call. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about, um, in the chapter on serving my wife, serving one's wife, um, there's a reference to marriage and ordination uh, being very similar in that they are oriented towards the other. Um, and you use the phrase sacraments at the service of communion. Can you unpack that phrase a little bit and and kind of the yeah. how they're connected? Sure. So the catechism, when it takes the seven sacrament, it divides them into three categories. Okay. So you have the sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. You have the sacraments of healing, anointing of the sick, and the sacrament of reconciliation. And then you have the sacraments at the service of communion, which is holy orders and matrimony okay you know so naturally in in writing a book about the service ministry of the deacon you know most deacons are married that are receiving also holy orders which is unique 
um, in the Latin right. I mean, obviously in the Eastern right, this is something that's more common. Um, but so I, so I needed, I felt I needed to explore the connections then um, between ordination and, um, uh, and, and matrimony. Cause again, they're at the service of communion, right? And, and the, obviously uh, that service piece is important for the diaconate because the word, the word means servant. Right, right. So the first thing in marriage, right? So, so my life as a husband and a father is to die. So when I stood at that altar, when we stood at the altar, Ken, we didn't say I do. What we really said was I die. I die to everything that separates me from God's love. I die to everything to my ego, to my selfishness, uh, even sometimes to my own desires, Mm -hmm. because now I've made a commitment to live for the other, which is the very heart of covenant relationship. That's the very heart of why Christ came and died. He he, he came and died so we can enter more deeply into covenant relationship. And a covenant relationship is when you make a complete and total gift of yourself to someone. Right. And that someone makes a complete and total gift of themselves back to you in love. And the, the four characteristics of that it's the, it's a love that's free and faithful and total and fruitful. Right. It's a love that gives everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a love that holds nothing back. Why? If you look at Christ crucified, he held nothing back of his love for us. He gave everything. And that's the relationship that's at the service of communion. It's a relationship where you are giving yourself constantly to the other. And, and what, do, what is that image, Ken? The Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, we use fancy language, circumcision, divine perichoresis, whatever. But, but the, the essence is, is that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are continually giving love and life to each other. They're penetrating each other with this, with, with love, which is what God is. First John four sixteen, God is love. And so, because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we image that, that, that gift of self to the other for deacons first in marriage for most of us, right? First in marriage. And then the church calls us forth, as I mentioned earlier, to share those gifts of service with the entire church. Not every man is called to that, that's that's married, um, or maybe even single. That's con- considering a diaconate. Um, but those who are called, I see that as an expansion of the gifts uh, of the service of communion to the family, the domestic church, to the wider church. Right. So there's a very beautiful connection there, and I think it flows. One one flows into the other quite quite naturally and quite beautifully. Yeah. It's a, it's an inspiring image because, and I love that you link it to the Trinity, that total gift of self that overflows. Uh, I mean, and we use by analogy, right? We, we say that yes, marriage by analogy. by analogy is an image of the father love, father's love for the son, the son's love for the father that creates the Holy Spirit that creates is the wrong word, right? That, that generates the Holy generates, Spirit. Yeah. But in, in our uh, analogy, and again, the analogy, it's always going to be more different than it is similar, but the mother and the father, their love for one another creates 
children in, you know, in obviously not every time, but, but certainly this is the, the fullness of that image. Um, and so, um, so it's a deeply theological, but even, but even it's a creative love. That's not just physically created. Cause there's some people that can't have kids and they adopt. Right. Like, like Joseph, Joseph was not the biological father of Christ, but you right. better believe he was his father. He was his dad. His earthly, he's, exactly. Yep. And that, that's acknowledged. In fact, Mary acknowledges that very clearly when they found him in the temple. You know, your father, your father, not not this dude, Joseph, over here, you know, <laughs> right, not right. this guy that God put here to kind of stay with me, not your foster father, your father and I. So right. even Mary acknowledged and respected the fatherhood, the earthly fatherhood of Joseph. That's that's powerful and uh, always a good reminder for us. And And now... You know, we don't have a lot of time left uh, tonight, but I, I kind of want to unpack a little bit then about how um, your family life flows into your diaconal ministry. And maybe we can start that now and pick, a, pick up that, that bit later, uh, you know, kind of next week when we gather. But how, what are some ways that your family life and your, your being a father in a family has affected your ministry? Yeah, and that's a great a broad question. question too. But yeah, for, great question. Well, for first of all, I think from marriage, um, uh, we often are encountering couples that are struggling in their marriages. Uh-huh. You know, so uh, many deacons are involved in um, counseling, marriage counseling, sure. not psychological. I mean, you know, deep work because usually come to me and I said, "Ooh, you know, what you're dealing with is more than what I can." what I can handle. I mean, I can handle some spiritual struggles sure. that you have, but if there's something deeper, some psychological things, I'll refer them. But, but often we will, we'll, you know, if, if a couple is like struggling praying together or some spiritual aspect, the deacon will, will deal with that. Or even marriage and on the other end, marriage preparation, you know, mm-hmm. helping the couples and talking about some practical, very real and practical things, you know, that, that they can expect and encounter in their marriages and some, maybe some pitfalls to avoid, you know, and, and and things that the deacon has learned in his own marriage, he can now carry forward uh, and be of great and valuable assistance to the couple that's preparing to enter into that beautiful sacrament. Yeah. In a way, perhaps that a priest wouldn't have those insights, those very real practical insights. You know, I remember in our marriage prep, we uh, a couple that we knew well um, did our marriage prep and you know, they were able to talk about things like, you know, who's going to sleep on what side of the bed. And that's a question that may never come up from a priest who has a single size bed. Right. You know, so exactly. Exactly. Well, Deacon, we have run out of time for tonight, but I want to pick up this conversation next week. Again, we've been discussing the book, Our Life of Service, the Handbook for Catholic Deacons by Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, my beloved co-host. We're going to pick up our conversation next week. We invite you to listen to the previous parts uh, as we've been discussing this book by going to materdeiradio.com, and you can also connect with us. We'll have a link to the book on our Facebook page. Just type in Living Stones Media. Until we gather next week, Deacon, might we have a blessing? Sure, I mean, Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. 
That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I-Radio.com.